Hey everybody, it's uh, Cody Brown from Cody Brown Reflections, and I know in the previous episode that I said that I wouldn't record anymore for this week, um, but this is just something that I've been thinking about, praying about, um, that I feel like needs to be addressed, and sometimes when these things happen and it needs to be addressed, it's like it can happen at some weird times, so um, this is like a really late podcast. It's 11.20 p.m. um, on Christmas Day, about to be, you know, the 26th. And I'm trying to get things situated because that's how immediate it is. Um, So I just wanted to come in and and talk for a little bit about something um, that I feel like is a concern. and And if it's not a concern with you, then it probably needs to be, um, and I say that because we, in America, we're so privileged, and we are so blessed to be able to have, you know, so many translations of the Word of God for us here, and to have easy access at that, uh, to these many translations, to Uh, the Word of God, and it's easy for us to take that for granted, and that's, you know, the the whole Bible translation thing is not something that, you know, is not what I'm coming on to talk about at this hour, Uh, trust me, that's, that's an issue for an entirely different time, but I do feel like that we take our high amount of religious freedom uh, for granted. Um, you know, we oftentimes, like, you know, a prime example of this, I would say, is the situation in China. Uh, we often pray, uh, you know, that they would find relief from their persecution. And it is often said that they pray for us to suffer persecution. And it's not because they want to see us suffer like they do, it's because that. They want to see if our faith can stand the test of time. And with that being said, you know, it doesn't matter across the board, okay? It doesn't matter what church you go to across the board for this next statement that I'm about to say to be true. And what I'm about to say is probably a very controversial statement. It's probably one of the most controversial statements I will make. Um, most Americans that have faith in the Almighty God have that faith because they have the the follow-the-leader mindset. (coughs) And what I mean by that is they're just following along with, you know, well, my friends go to this church, so I'm going to go to this church because my friends go here, um, or my parents go here, and, you know, same thing. My parents are... You know, they're they're good people, and surely they wouldn't um, lie to me because, you know, they're, you know, good people and stuff like that. But I would suggest, you know, that while they wouldn't intentionally lie to you, you know, they can, in fact, lie to you. They are not perfect people as much as you want, as much as you want to think that they are. They are not perfect people. 
Um, and same thing with your friends. You know, your friends may be very open and very transparent with you. And I try to be open and transparent with my friends and family. Uh, but at the same time, there are times when I am wrong. And I have to accept that. I have to accept that I have the ability to be wrong. And I have to be willing to make <coughs> to make the changes uh, that would be necessary for me to make in order to make that wrong right. And without changing the Word of God, and without bending the Word of God to my rule and, more, and my standard, because God has given us a standard. And that is what I want to spend, you know, this conversation talking about. Um, the mindset in Christianity, in modern day Christendom, unfortunately is... We're, we are leaning on crutches. Uh, we don't have a personal faith that, you know, that comes from Scripture. We do have a personal faith, but it's not built on the basis of Scripture. It is built on what we think, what we want to believe, what we want to believe about God, what we see about God. And, you know... Again, this is, you know, the thing about the atheism being a religion, too. It's like, you know, they, their way of thinking about God is that there is no God. Because that's how they see the world. And so we, we rely on our worldview to determine, you know, what who God is and how He saves us and things like that. We determine all of that based on our worldview instead of the view of scripture and you know I run, into, I run into that issue day in and day out as a gospel preacher <coughs> and you know I'm not trying to like take up for my own church because you know I, if, if something is going on among my congregation or among the churches of Christ in general I'm going to preach against it if it is not biblical I'm going to call you out if it's not biblical because I want the Bib the Bible to be our standard and not our feelings and not our worldview and you know in other words what I'm saying is that we should let the scripture uh, form our worldview instead of our worldview forming scripture uh, and that's an easier concept than it sounds And what I want to present is that, you know, the Jews were kind of on that same page. Jesus, you know, he comes along in the scene, and all of a sudden he's teaching by his own authority. Then <laughs> um, the Jews were amazed at this. If you look at Mark chapter 1, at verse 22... Um, it says, And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. Among Jewish tradition, you had two schools of thought. And oftentimes, when a Jew was teaching the law, they would teach 
based on the presupposition of whatever school of thought that they went to. And you, like I said, you only had two options. And so they would teach from the law, but they would say, well, Gamaliel says this about this passage, and so this is how we should believe this passage. And it's because Gamaliel said it, not because God said it. That's kind of the idea that they had. And they believed, you know, that Gamaliel was a godly person, and he may have very well been. But that's kind of how they viewed it. It's like, you know, Gamaliel has an authority because he's a godly man and not, you know, not just because of what God's word says. And they had, you know, they had the law right there in front of them, multiple copies of it. <clears throat> but they were astonished. They were amazed. They were shocked because Jesus wasn't doing that. Jesus was teaching on his own authority because Jesus was God manifested in the flesh uh, Matthew one twenty three, God with us uh, John one fourteen, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we see the glory as of the only son from the father so Jesus had authority because he was God in the flesh but Jesus makes this statement about the Jews and about, you know, and it's amazing. <laughs> and it's amazing that what Jesus is actually saying is very blunt here. Um, it's in the form of a parable, but it's very blunt. Um, Jesus, in Mark chapter 2, at verse 22... He says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. <coughs> so Jesus is not talking about a literal situation between wine and wineskins. That is clear. The context does not allow that. The context is actually a question about fasting. <laughs> because they were saying, you know, well, John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees, they fast. But the disciples of Jesus don't. And Jesus' answer is, well, they can't fast while the bridegroom is here. But when the bridegroom is gone, they can fast. There will be fasting, in fact, at the end of verse 20. And he says, No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And then he says what he says in verse 22, about putting new wine into old wineskins. And he's actually talking about a mindset. Um, and the mindset is... That, you know, these old wineskins, this Jewish way of thinking, they're so caught up in their interpretation and in what they want to believe about the law of Moses and what they want to believe about God, that they're not ready. They are not mentally ready to accept this new form of teaching. Even though, even though, when you read through the Gospels, you can see that Jesus' teaching does not contradict in any way, shape, or form the law, the prophets, or the writings, which is what the, which is what uh, you know, categorized 
Jewish scripture. Jesus didn't contradict anything. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, he says he is the fulfillment of everything that was talked about in the law and prophets and the writings. And he says it again in Luke 24, uh, towards the end of the chapter there. <coughs> but anyway, with that kind of current mindset of being a dedicated Pharisee or a dedicated Sadducee or a dedicated, dedicated scribe or whatever... Their minds were not ready to accept, hey, Jesus, who is God in the flesh, is bringing along this new way of life, one that offers forgiveness, and one that offers a new life in which Jew and Gentile can both receive this forgiveness, is made possible through Jesus. They're not ready to accept that, because their concept of the Messiah in the Old Testament scriptures would be one that came to physically restore Jerusalem to its former glory, would set them free from the Roman captivity that they were in. And they can say that they were not captive to the Romans until their death, but they were. They were. <clears throat> and this is something that you know, a lot of people dismiss. Uh, a, a lot of people have the old wineskin mindset. And I hate to say it that way, but it's true. A lot of people just have the old wineskin uh, mindset. They don't want to accept that they might be wrong. And, you know, I try to be open and accepting of that. If I'm wrong... And you can show me a book, chapter, verse, book, chapter, and verse that would make me wrong. And the way you presented that book, chapter, and verse didn't contradict anything else in Scripture. I would happily accept that I am wrong. And I would change my doctrine. I would change my teaching to match what you just showed me. <coughs> but only after I knew that it would not contradict the rest of the Bible or anything like that. And so, if you came at me and tried to build my faith on, you know, on Reformed theology or, you know, anything like that, and it didn't match up with what Scripture taught and what I know Scripture teaches, then it's not going to work. It's not going to fly. And... <clears throat> I say this with as much love, care, and respect that I possibly can conjure up. I really do. Uh, we have to learn to accept that Scripture does not always match up with what everybody else is going with. In fact, God always mentions Christians as a group of minorities rather than a majority. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 at verse... Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus <coughs> talks about... Uh, 
you know, those people that, um, you know, that, that would be saved and those that were not. Uh, verses 13 and 14, Matthew seven thirteen and 14. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. He makes a contrast between what is easy and what is hard. It is easy to follow the majority. Because that gate is wide. But it leads to destruction. And many people go down that path. Which is unfortunate. But Jesus contrasts that with, but the gate is narrow. The narrow way. It's hard because you your, your mind wants to take the easy way out. That's what makes it hard. But it's hard... But at the end of the at the end of that is life, and only few are going to find it. And the reason that only few are going to find it is because it it takes so much concentration, and it takes so much personal building of faith <coughs> to not rely on you know on what everybody else is saying. That there's only going to be a few that can see through the blindness of the rest of the world. And it, that's a shame. It, I mean, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't have to be that way. But it was that way in Jesus' day, and it is still that way today. It is hard to find truth because so many people are coming up with their own definition of truth. Jesus himself told us in multiple places what truth was. John chapter 14 at verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says he is truth. John seventeen seventeen says, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. The word of the Father, of whom he is praying to. Now, I want you to notice what John calls Jesus at the beginning of his letter. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is referred to as the Word. Jesus says He is the truth. Jesus says the Father's Word is the truth. It's consistent. It all leads back to Jesus. And what Jesus taught was not this message that would draw the millions to to salvation. In fact, the Jews who were the majority groups, the Jews hated Jesus because he threatened their power and authority. And that's why they wanted him killed. Little did they know that his death would be the key to the salvation of everyone who would find truth. 
if people were willing to kill Jesus in his day, it will eventually come to the point that they are willing to kill true, faithful Christians. Today, here in America even, people are already being killed abroad, overseas and things like that. People are already being killed for standing firm in the faith. But they had the strength and courage to stand up for the faith. Because they know that what's on the other side of death's door is an eternity of peace and happiness where all this pain and suffering goes away. And Apostle Paul, he recognized that. And it's hard to have this mindset, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Philippians chapter 1 at verse 23. He says, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. For that is far better. Verse 24. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Paul is making this contrast. He's saying, if I live, I get to spread Christ more. If I die, I get to go be with Christ. And in verse 23, he says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. I can't make up my mind what I want to do. Or what's going to happen, rather. Because he wants to depart. His desire is to go be with Christ. Because he says that is far better. Why is that far better? Because he will have reached the goal that he was so desperately fighting for since he became an apostle. He became an apostle. He became, he went from a Jew that was persecuting Christians to a persecuted apostle. And Paul suffered a lot of persecution. But he said, I do it all for Jesus. I do it all for Jesus. Because I know at the end of my life, when I die, when I close my eyes in death, that this pain, suffering, and dying, and sin, it will all be gone. Because I will get to go be with Christ. And that is, and all this physical pain and suffering is worth the reward that is coming. Paul understood it. And most Christians, most Christians, do not have that kind of faith. When any kind of persecution comes knocking on the door, they throw in the towel and walk away. And it's sad that it's that way. It really is. But friends, brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to understand that that is a reality. That there are people that are going to want to kill us because of our faith. And if we throw in the towel, then we've done exactly what the devil wants us to do. I think about reading, you know, Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, the temptations of Jesus. Satan came to Jesus at his most weakest moment, physically. Uh, 
you know, besides the cross, of course. But Satan came to him at his lowest point in his physical life up to that point. And he offered him bread. He was hungry because he was fasting for 40 days. He offered him bread. Jesus said no. He offered him power. And he said no. He offered him that the angels would rescue him if he were to fall. He said no. And he did it because his mission toward God was more important that the suffering on the cross that he knew he would endure and that he did endure was more important than anything that the devil could ever offer him. And we have to understand that. It's hard to find the way of truth because we don't understand how worth it is, how much it's worth, and what's waiting for us at the end. I'm going to do a, another episode like this. Um, you know, just talking about <coughs> matters of salvation and, and the church and things like that. But keep this in mind. Be willing to stake, take a stand for truth. Be willing to admit if you're wrong. Just as I'm willing to do so. And above all, be willing to change your life to conform to what the Word says. And not what I say and not what your local preacher says or anybody like that. Only conform to what the Word of God says. Jesus said man shall live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Not by what the local preacher says. I hope you all had a great Christmas and a good night. Thank you so much. And God bless.